Hello and welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are back after an unexpected bit of time off. How are you doing? I am good. So I will definitely take ownership for the reality that we missed a recording session. And the reason was, is because I was having some health issues. So I believe um, in an episode prior, I talked about the fact that I was um, going to be having my wisdom teeth out. And so I did. And what was supposed to be easy peasy, no problems, did not turn out to be that. Um, So what happened was the first three days were fine. And then about day four, all of a sudden the pain just got Mm. intense on one side. It was just one side, uh, the right lower. And um, so that pain was just growing and growing throughout that day. And then my jaw just locked. I couldn't open my mouth more than a half an inch. And so over the course of this weekend, that weekend, it, you know, that happened on a Thursday. And so over the course of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, I called the doctor and he tried to give me a narcotic that would help. And it wasn't doing anything. And I was, could barely even swallow anything because I could only basically have liquids because I couldn't even fit a spoon in my mouth. That's crazy. Did you lose weight too? Oh yeah. Over the course. So this whole thing lasted for, you know, the really intense part was about five or six days, but then, then once we got the pain under control, the um, jaw lock thing lingered. So in the end, I lost about six or seven pounds over the course of a week and a half. P.S. It's post Thanksgiving, and now I think I've gained it all back. But, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm really happy to report that I'm 100% healed. Um, but it was a process. It was really a process of, you know, having to go back in and have the socket packed because basically what I had two things happen. I had um, dry socket, which is like the dread dry socket, right? If people, that's what people I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had that packed and once I had that packed and then got on some, you know, kind of like a higher dose of narcotics, I broke the pain cycle and that's a real thing. You know how when, I don't know if you've had much in the way of surgeries or anything, No, but uh well, I often talk in medicine about keeping ahead of the pain. So I got way behind the pain. And so what happens in that situation is it's like you get very little relief from painkillers and it doesn't last very long. Um, so during this course where I was really in significant pain, I would only, for some reason, it was Advil that would help, probably because of the inflammation that was going on. But um, I would get it relief from Advil for about two and a half hours, but you can only take Advil every six hours. And so there was this time where I was just having to gut it out. And for anyone who's had tooth pain, you know that it's not just in your tooth. It radiates all the way down to your jaw. It radiates into your ear. It radiates up into your sinuses, your head. Yeah. And so it's just the kind of thing where you just, you want to cut your head off. And just, but I'm looking at it now in hindsight. Yes. And it's really going to be the jumping off point for what I wanted to talk about for today's episode, because I had a really profound experience of prayer in this place of suffering. Excellent. That I think really helped me change 
a really major perspective on myself and how I approach God and, and everything. So, you know, it's really interesting you say that because as you were going through this, I mean, as your friend, I was really, I was hurting for you, mm. especially the empath, empath that I am. <laughs> I was really hurting for you. And then it just dawned on me, ah, my passionist friend. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of that. That's so funny that you say <laughs> that. that. that I, I was like, God is allowing you to really mm. experience this part of his passion to teach you something. I mean, right, I yeah. really was very aware of that where you're going on, even though my heart was just crushed for uh-huh. you. I was just like, oh. Yeah, it is really interesting. Like when, you know, pe- you know, people who know me and love me are very aware of my passionist uh, heart and how I'm just my spirituality is just so focused on the passion of Christ and consoling his heart. Okay. Shout out to father Michael Gately and the book consoling the heart of Jesus. If you know, I have not ever read that. I really have it, but it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I I love it. And, um, he's a, he's a wonderful priest. Mm -hmm. Uh, really he, you know, more people are familiar with 33 days to morning glory, which is the total consecration to Mary book that he wrote, but he actually wrote this book consoling the heart of Jesus before he wrote that book when he was in seminary. Um, wow. But it's it's a beautiful reflection on on how we can, with our sufferings, but not even in our sufferings, just in our hearts, desire to control, console Christ in His suffering, and how we can do that in this day and age. Mm-hmm. But um, the interesting thing about it is, is that even though you know that would sort of be my default to go more towards, okay, I'm going to use this to console Jesus. Um, he that's not the lesson he taught me. Uh, maybe, and maybe that's because that's one I've already been practicing. Maybe, yeah. You know, Good and point. so, um, but it is funny how, you know, we go, oh, you're such a passionist. This is, you know, like people almost think like, this must be great for you. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't, no, that wasn't, no, 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 no. It was no, more no. like that, like when you pray for patience. Right, yeah, you'll God get gives it. you opportunities right, to, exactly. but, you know, so when you have a desire to share yeah. in his passion, he'll give you opportunities. Right, and I will, I just want to give all praise and glory to him because he did give me a lot of grace, an absolute lot of grace mm-hmm. to, to be in it and endure it and just really stay close to him. But also in times not feel like I was staying close to him and just feeling like I needed to, to distract myself from from it and and even that isn't that isn't that one of the remedies not remedy but like to alleviate some of the pain is really to be distracted from it yeah and I find that like during the day you know when the people when people are around you know and there's tv to watch and all you know stuff you know you could be kind of doing stuff like you find that distractions come easier yeah but it's like the night in the night oh, when wow. you don't want to wake anybody up, you don't want anybody to be bothered by it, but you don't want to let, I don't like to turn like screens on and stuff during the night. I feel like it's, I'm never going to get back to sleep or anything if I do that. So there were just these nights, you know, several nights in a row where I was up just suffering and having to wait to do anything to really significantly leave it. And so what happens in those moments, those dark hours of the night when you are absolutely alone with God and with your suffering, what happens then? You know, and I know some, there's many people who have to face those moments and God just really gave me a lot of um, instruction. Yay. Yeah. And so we can benefit from it. Right. And so the topic of this, particular podcast that I wanted to discuss with you, Pam, is 
the concept of trust and trusting God and how we know we should. And sometimes it is so hard, so hard, you know? And so the, the story I wanted to tell of like what he really spoke to my heart on like the worst possible moment, like the, just really, really when I was crying out to him and be like, Lord, Lord, you know, how am I going to endure this? You know, what are, what are you doing? You know, um, and it was interesting because it, it was one of those moments in prayer. I don't get them all the time, but I, I'm blessed to have them sometimes when the, the Lord like speaks to my heart, you know, not, you know, actual locution, you know, voice from outside, but like just speaks to my heart. And so you know, the Lord asked me, if I said to you, if you can endure this for six months, I'll convert a soul or I'll heal somebody. Would you do it? I was like, of course, Lord. You know, if you told me that, you know, it could have that benefit, you know, I would do it. And he said, do you have to know what I'm doing to know I'm doing something? Or do you really just have to know me, who I am? And I was like, just thought about it. I was like, Lord, you're good. I trust that you are good. And so, no, I don't need to know. I don't need to know what you're doing. I trust you're doing something. And however long you want to do this in me so that you can do what you're doing, let it be. And that changed everything. Because I stopped wondering why or trying to get a meaning or trying to grasp for some like way I could gut through it with like, there's, here's my purpose. Like, you know, and I think sometimes when we get into that redemptive suffering mindset, we think, okay, as long as I have a goal to attach it to, you know, I keep it in my mind and never, and that's good. It's good to have intentions. And I had the blessing. Of, I think that's where it starts. I mean, it yeah, started with me. Absolutely. And I had the blessing of people bringing intentions to me. They're like, you know, okay, could you pray for this person? They could you pray for this person. Could you pray for this person, like several people. And they're like, and I, you know, I know that in your suffering, you know, you'll have, you know, more power in prayer, you know, if you can unite it to Christ. And, and I did that and that was a consolation. But when you go even deeper down and you say, I don't need anything as a purpose or as a reason or as something to attach as meaning to this, all I need is the knowledge of my Lord who loves me and is doing something for good in my life. No other evidence needed. And so what the verse that really came to my mind was um, John chapter 20, verse 29. It's the, it's the passage where we talk about doubting Thomas and, and Jesus, you know, invites him over and says, you know, put your hands in my wounds. Mm. And then Thomas does it and he says his beautiful, my Lord and my God, right? That's the beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and Jesus says to him, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And I always think about that as like, okay, people who didn't see Jesus walk the earth, right? In his earthly ministry. And um, so now we're Christians who believe without seeing him. But after this experience, I just really felt like that was Jesus saying, 
it's great to see the evidence of what you're praying for or what, you know, having some goal or having something tangible, Mm -hmm. but blessed are those who don't need that at all and just believe who I am and that I am good and that I'm loving you. That goes back a little bit to um, the Gately book on 33 Days to Morning Glory. So we were mm-hmm. just talking about that. Very similarly about offering all those sufferings to Mary to disperse the grace that's generated from that yeah. throughout the world without any knowledge, but, mm-hmm. but perfect yeah. trust in her yeah. goodness. That is beautiful. And I mean, that was the first time I actually heard of that. Now, can I do it in practice? <laughs> Not as well as I'd right. like. And, you know, sometimes we should be specific in our requests, and, but sometimes we should just leave it up to his providence and his, you know, his desires and what how Mary can distribute it. I, and I think you're absolutely right. But the question comes, how do you respond, I trust you, without seeing? And I want to just absolutely say that ability to respond that way to the Lord in the moment for me was nothing but grace. It wasn't like, Oh, look at how awesome I become my spiritual progress and all this sort of thing that allowed me to say, no, I I really, really trust you without seeing anything. And so how do we dispose ourselves to grow in the ability to receive that grace? Because that is a work of God. It's not something that we can just, gin up of our own doing. You know, Megan, as you're saying that images kind of come into my mind about how oftentimes God has to wear us down. Yeah. So what, what I see is you're telling me that story. I really get this image of, you know, in the passage that's like, Lord, um, let there be less of me and more of you, you know, fill Mm -hmm. me with yourself. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways he does that and brings us to our knees is through physical pain. And I really see that as like um, you were at a point where all that existed was him and Mm -hmm. you wanted to give everything back to him, but it was only worn down. The world was worn down for the pain he was allowing you to have so that you were more filled with him. And should we always pray for that for all of us? And yet, you know, so often when people are in places of suffering, whether it be physical or emotional or psychological, they do don't respond with trust and they respond with anger or with fear or, you know, a a multitude of negative emotions. And so that was really kind of what I wanted to talk about today for, for folks who find themselves in that, in that situation, because the reality is, is even though in that moment, God gave me the grace to respond with trust, I have no confidence that I will respond exactly the same way in another moment. Because the reality is, is that for me, I actually find physical suffering easier to deal with than emotional suffering. Oh, amen. Yes. You know? And so if it's something, say, to do, (laughs) I find my kids, like, I can endure a lot with myself and my own stuff. But if my kids are suffering, that's the thing that really strikes to my heart. So maybe in a future, if I have to face something like that. I think, you know, I might not be so quick to be like, yeah, I trust you, Lord. I think you will. Cause you know, I have had a little <laughs> I bit like of that. your confidence. No, because I've, I've experienced that mm-hmm. when my fourth daughter, um, it was unbeknownst to us at the time that she was, um, had 
C. diff. So if you know what that mm. is, it's a horrible bacteria in the gut that was causing her a lot of a, a pain where she could hardly move and hardly sleep. Um, which the reason she got it was because she had ulcerative colitis. So this is all unknown to us at this mm-hmm. time. So my daughter seemed like she was literally dying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as a mom, you can let that stuff go kind of crazy in your right, head. What sure. is this? And I remember having so much stress about it and hurting, just like you're talking about as a parent and going for a walk. Cause I had to like, I call it pounding it out mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm anxious about something. Yeah. I go for a walk and pray and talk to God and, um, he just kept saying, like you're saying, just trust me, trust me on this mm-hmm. one. And that letting go that there's a plan, he's allowed it. And as things were getting closer to figuring out what happened to her, or what the problem was, she even herself says, the Lord has chosen me for this path mm-hmm. and how to respond to it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's awful, but it's a whole new level of learning to trust in the Lord, even in your own pain and suffering. Yeah. And the thing that's coming to my mind as you're talking is, you know, I love the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Love it. In fact, you know, I'm more of a Divine Mercy Chaplet than a rosary person. That's just the way God called me, probably because it's talking about Christ's suffering all the time in in the chaplet. But one of the things that I think is really profound is we talk about it, you know, as far as Christ's mercy and how much Jesus himself, as he gave that image to St. Faustina, the Jesus I trust in you image, how this idea of trust and God's mercy are so tied together. Yes. Right. Yes. And this is where Latin can really help us out because the word for mercy in Latin is misericordia, yeah. which means suffering heart. And so this idea that suffering is part of growing in trust in the Lord, because if we don't suffer, how can he suffer with us? How can he show us that he's trustworthy if we don't have moments where we need to call upon him and that he can make himself present to us? And so one of the things, if you find yourself in this place where you like your head tells you, you, you should trust the Lord, because I mean, I could sit here and quote scripture passage after scripture passage after scripture passage, Old Testament, New Testament, that talks about how we should trust the Lord and how the Lord is trustworthy, We could read it all day long, but the reality is, is even though our brains as Christians know we should feel that way, so often when the circumstances come down to it and we're really impacted by them deeply, our hearts struggle to really live in the, where our heads understand we should as far as trusting the Lord. Mm, So true. And if someone finds that regularly they're struggling to trust in the Lord, part of the issue that might be going on there is that you're not placing yourself in positions where you must trust the Lord. Okay. Pack, unpack that a little bit more because, you know, my next question was going to be, well, how do we increase that way? So what you just said is that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And I would say it comes to the human tendency to desire control. We like Pride. to, yeah, we like to order our little lives in the way that is comfortable for us, the way that we want it to be. And so we'll take all these different steps in life in order to try to square everything off, to just tie it all up neatly in a little package so that it looks and feels exactly how we want it to look and feel. But when we're so busy doing that, 
what we're saying again and again and again to the Lord is it's all up to me and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you just need to hang out. And then when it really gets bad, then I'll call on you in my desperation. Mm, okay. But if we can think about our lives every day, how can I surrender something to allow me to grow and trust in the Lord, to stop trying to control everything, to stop trying to dictate everything in our lives and really just be open handed to the Lord in that day. Like, and then we think about Mary, you know, in the annunciation and how does she respond? Okay, Lord, I will let you do this. No, she says, be it done unto me according to your will, whatever that is, however that looks. And do we really start each day with those words on our lips and in our hearts. Right, right. So here's my question for you. Um, having kind of, I'm very familiar with the kind of this process you're talking about, but this is like Pam's little lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I will have a whole lot of um, right thinking mm-hmm. about situations. I need to trust the Lord um, in this moment. This is hard. Let's trust him. Um, yet in my concupiscence, let's say, I don't know, mm-hmm. lack of a better word. I call it the 18 inches from my head sure. to my heart. Like I'm not able to live it from my heart mm-hmm. because maybe there's a lot of pain. Maybe um, I just can't get my mind around it yet um, to get it travel from head to heart. So my question for you is, Megan, how do we get things more from our head or like intellectual knowledge of the way God would like it because of mm-hmm. the scripture, because what is revealed right. to us? And to be able to live it from my heart. So if you can figure out this one, you're going to do me a grand favor. <laughs> well, I think the key is understanding that when it's so deeply ingrained in your head, it's ingrained into a place that says to you, this is who you should be. Mm. And you get so focused on who you should be. And then you're recognizing I'm I'm not not who I should be. And so instead of being like, Lord, I need help. I'm not able to do this. Coming to the Lord in your humility and saying, not, I know I should trust you. I suck. (laughs) Excuse my language. I'm just so bad. I'm so not worthy of you. I'm so all the negativity that you just bring to the Lord. Mm. Instead, you come to a little child and say, daddy, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Help me. See, this reality that instead of being so focused on how we're falling short, be honest about the reality of where we are. You know what? Today's reflection in the Magnificat speaks so well to this. I broke down in tears when I read it myself. I haven't read it. Go ahead and talk until I find (laughs) it. Okay. So, So, I mean, I think that's the starting point of just being really honest about where you are and and. And sometimes we can't even really acknowledge our lack of trust because we're so disappointed in ourselves for the fact that we're not trusting. So put aside the disappointment and get honest with how you're really feeling and bring that honesty to the Lord because the, the Lord delights in the truth. He is the truth. And so even when the truth isn't the quote unquote ideal, it's better than lying about, you know, the reality that you're struggling to trust. And and the Lord, he's like that, you know, just like in the parable of, of the prodigal son, when the son turns back and admits, I have fallen short, I'm not worthy to be your son. The grace, the mercy comes in that place where he says, you know, 
I'm I'm going to trust that you're going to take me back even though, and you're going to attend to me and you're going to minister to me, even though I'm struggling to trust that you're going to do that. Yes. So what came to mind when listening to you talk is sometimes we get into that place of kind of beating ourselves up over not being able to process the way God wants. This is really, Mm -hmm. this is a lot about me. All right. I just, (laughs) how I process things. So in today's uh, meditation, actually I want to, it's not (laughs) the day this is airing is not the same day, but and nevertheless it says, and this is sister Ruth Burroughs, right? She's a great writer. We waste time on self-reproach and discouragement when we should be throwing ourselves into God's arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, to take it uh, even like a step back, to throw yourself into God's arms speaks of a certain level of trust. Mm-hmm. That those arms are safe arms. That those arms are welcoming arms. Those arms are present arms. And so you may have to even walk it back further and say, not only Lord, am I struggling to trust you in this circumstance, I'm struggling to trust you at all. Mm. I don't know that I really believe that you're good. I don't know that you really care about me. And that place of honesty of saying, okay, I don't necessarily feel that I trust you in these most elemental ways but I want to. Amen. If you can get to that place, I want to trust you. I desire it, Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And ask him to show you ways that you can grow in that trust, that you can allow him to to prove himself to you. Because the reality is, is that while God shouldn't have to prove himself to us, he is happy to. Because that, getting back to my passion aside, that's the cross. Right. That's the reason he came. Did he need to do that? Did he need to come and suffer a horrible, terrible death? No. But what he says is when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. When I show you, when you see what I'm willing to do for you, then maybe you'll trust my love for you. Yeah. You know, Megan, I really confess that it was only just a couple of years ago that I started working harder on this idea of trusting the Lord. Because at first, when you hear about it, it's like, well, of course I trust you, Lord. Mm-hmm. You're good and all-knowing and omnipotent, and of course I trust you. Um, but it wasn't until I started to try and practically live out, what does it mean to trust him? And one of the indicators that you are not trusting the Lord, to me, this is my personal journey, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to hear yours too, is when, for me, when I would start to feel any amount of anxiousness, despair, loneliness. So there's like triggers that Mm -hmm. tell you that you're not trusting in the Lord. And I'm not saying to beat yourself up when that happens because, you know, it's our fallen human nature to to fall into these things, but to let that be um, a reminder and something that helps to lift you towards prayer to say, okay, I'm falling too much back into my human nature and need to turn to God to elevate my thought. Yeah. And we also, we talk about the fact that, you know, the Lord is, a refiner, right? Mm. He's constantly refining us. Mm. And so to, if we can look at these opportunities where we f- feel that experience of struggling to trust in the Lord, to understand that that is part of his work in us, because how is he going to show us the places where we are weak in, in our trust? If he doesn't give us circumstances, they're going to 
trigger that that response. Exactly. So he's allowing that to say, I understand that you have a difficulty trusting me in this area. I want you to know that so that I can heal it. So that, but I'll only be able to heal it if you invite me into it because that's the way I work. Mm-hmm. I'm not a forcer. And so to start looking at those things as these opportunities to find those areas where we need to continue to grow and trust. And this is the thing with the saints. Like we look at the saints lives and often we're like, you know, St. Teresa of Avila is famous for saying, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, you know, I can see why you have so few. That's right. <laughs> right. That and so, and, but the reality is, is that, well, as a person grows in holiness, the challenges to find those places where growth still needs to happen are going to need to become greater and greater and greater. So we see saints that have all these really significant areas of suffering in their lives that's necessary for them to continue to grow because they've already reached this you know, place of sanctity that is so great that it's only major challenges that are going to help them to continue to grow. And the Lord wants us to continue to grow as long as we want to continue to grow. Right. Yeah, that reminds me, a very good example of that too is uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta who mm-hmm. had that darkness, oh, but joy yeah. in the darkness. Right. I mean, yeah. he left her in that kind of place uh, for her sanctity and it was a constant challenge. And so if you're not being challenged, brothers and sisters, you know, there's something going on. Yeah, <laughs> God is always challenging us. Absolutely. And I would say that one of the things I've found is helpful is as a part of one's examination of conscience, you know, if you're not doing it, I encourage you to do a daily examination of conscience. I like to do it at the end of the day. Some people are not night people, so they're better off doing it next morning (laughs) if they're going to fall asleep. Um, But to really put that question, did I trust you today, Lord? As part of that examination and look at those places where you kind of grasped for the control Versus allow the Lord to work where, you know, places where you fell into anxiety or, or, um, you know, anger or having your emotions control you. You know, those are places where you're often just not free Mm. to be that, you know, just little child. And and that says, Father, you take care of it. It's yours. I'm glad you said it just that way, because Mm. another thing that really helped, um, and still continues to be one of my go-tos is a surrender prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. You take care of everything. Yeah. And so they say it 10 times, you know, in the prayer by Delindo, right. I believe was the saint mm-hmm. who gave it to us. Yeah. And I think it's really good to like make that your own. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, when you have a litany, sometimes it can become very rote. And so if, if that's, that prayer has been meaningful to you, like use that each day and talk about the specifics of that day (laughs) and and surrender it to him. Uh, But then to start using that, not like at the end of the day, but like in the moment, like reminding yourself, I'm called to surrender. And then I would also say, especially when you're triggered. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And finally, if you're going, you know, going along and you're feeling really good and you're feeling like I'm in the trust zone, challenge yourself, choose something that's hard that you're going to need to trust the Lord and watch him show up yeah. because he is faithful. He is faithful. Now I would give the caveat though. 
suspend your assumptions about what faithfulness needs to look like, has to look like in order for you to trust him. Give him carte blanche about how he wants to show up. Well, yeah, I like the concept of faithfulness and trust. Yeah. And and how they work together. Yeah. So I think, you know, as far as trusting the Lord, well, maybe we'll, we'll leave it on that. But um, I also felt it would might be great for us in the next episode to talk about when we're struggling to trust humans in our relationships, because yeah, trust is such a foundational um, part of being in relationship. And obviously it's going to be maybe a a bit more complicated when we're dealing with fallen individuals versus the almighty perfect God. That's right. And it's, I think it's no mistake. The Lord is having us do this during, uh, these will be airing during the Advent season. So that'll be a nice way to tie this thing too. Absolutely. Interesting. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us today and uh, for this podcast. And we hope that you will join us again next time. In the meantime, if you've been blessed by it, we ask that you would just share it with a friend or a family member or a stranger, anybody who you think would would benefit from your Facebook page. Absolutely. So uh, thank you again. And we pray that uh, until next time, you'll remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless. 